So tonight, what we're doing, what we're doing across this um, the course as part of the Life Track, is we're looking at this book called uh, Being Disciples by Rowan Williams. And um, Rowan Williams used to be the uh, Archbishop of Canterbury before Justin Welby, and um, he's now got a number of, of academic roles and um, is a prolific writer. Uh, his wife, uh, Jane Williams, is also an amazing theologian, and she used to be a, a colleague of mine at, at HTP. And when I was studying at St. Malachi's College, she was the assistant dean there. Um, and um, I remember actually, I, I met uh, Rowan once at St. Malachi's, and, and we had lunch. And I was um, just struck by his gentleness and his openness to uh, people and learning about people and uh, his, his clear, deep love for Jesus. And that's partly why I've chosen this book, and I've sort of been interested in looking into this book, because I, I really believe um, where the guy is coming from. And um, it's really interesting. He, he, he's got an amazing mind, and Richard Dawkins uh, has debated him a number of times. And Richard Dawkins said this about him. He said, he's a delightful man, so nice, it's almost impossible to argue with him. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't stop it. Absolutely. And can I also say to you, the lesson of this book is also not to judge a book by its cover, or, or maybe not to judge a, a book by its width, because it's a very short book, but it's, it's a very, very uh, rich book, full of, of deep wisdom. Um, so it's, it's very punchy, and can I encourage you to buy it if you haven't already? Um, so what are the topics we're going to be looking at over the next six weeks? Well, they, they basically um, come from the different chapter headings. So we've got being disciples, faith, hope, and love, forgiveness, holiness, faith in society, and life in the spirit. And we're going to have a number of, of uh, different speakers over the next few weeks. You've got me again next week, I'm sorry, um, but we do have a number of, of, of great speakers. What are we going to look at in this session? We're going to look at being aware and being attentive to Jesus, uh, what it means to be with him, and uh, what it means to be with the Father and the Son, and um, this whole area of being and action. Um, turn to your neighbour and just um, share very, very briefly, um, where do you most sense Jesus in your life? Where do you most often sense the company of Jesus? Let's just turn to our neighbour. Right, does, does anybody want to share um, where they most often sense Jesus? Any brave people? Yeah? Um, in my job at work. In your job at work, brilliant. Excellent. Anyone else? In my decision making. In your decision making, amazing. Anyone else? In my connect group. In your connect group. That's a very odd message, thank you for saying that. Um, <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> a fellow connect group next to you. Anyone else? The start of the day. Brilliant. In nature. Excellent. Excellent. I'm, I'm the same. I'm the same. I, connect with, I, go, I go walking in Battersea Park. Um, um, Rowan Williams uh, says in this book that discipleship is not about turning up once a week for a course, um, which is dangerous. Um, but it's, it's, an it's not an intermittent state of being. But it's a, it's a relationship that goes on and on. And as I was just saying over at, at the church before, um, in the ancient world, 
uh, being a student was, was much more involved than just turning up once a week. Um, but we, we learn by sharing life together, by sharing life with Jesus, um, by looking and listening. And I think there's, there's two types of listening. There's the sort of um, listening which is sort of, you know, sort of what I sometimes am guilty of. It's just sort of being here and being just sort of, yeah, yeah, Jamie, whatever, yeah, you know, yeah, Jesus, yeah, bearing fruit for Jesus. Um, you know, and, and, and sort of not really paying attention. And then there's really listening. Um, Tim Keller, who is a pastor of um, a church called Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York, uh, he writes about when he and his wife first moved to, to New York City to, to plant that church. And he said to his wife, um, I know how this works. Church planting, it's, it's really hard work. So basically, what we're going to do is we're going to, um, I'm, I'm just going to have to put my head down and work really hard for three years um, and really, really invest into this church. And then I can sort of focus more on, on the family. And the three years came and went, and uh, he was still, still very, very involved in working um, uh, at the church. And uh, his wife, Kathy, um, was finding this very difficult, as you can imagine. And she said to him, um, what's going on? And he said, just, just another three months, and, and you know, th- then we'll be, we'll be fine. And um, one day, Tim came home uh, from work, and uh, he heard this sort of noise coming from the outside patio. And he sort of walked through to the patio, and he saw his wife there smashing plates, smashing crockery. And, um, and he was obviously very, very concerned. And um, he, he asked her, what are you doing? And she looked up and says, you're not listening to me. You don't realize that if you keep working these hours, you're going to destroy this family. I don't know how to get through to you. You aren't seeing how serious this is. This is what you are doing. And she brought down the hammer on another plate. And then um, Tim got down and he said, I'm listening. I'm really listening now. And um, she explained to him that the, the plates that she was smashing didn't sort of quite match up with the, the, the cup, so it was all okay, and, and she was just doing it to get his attention. Um, but sometimes I know that we can go through life like that, can't we? Not really listening, not really paying attention. And I think there's this listening that Rowan talks about, is being aware and being attentive. That discipleship is, is not just sort of jotting down notes, uh, going away thinking about them. But it's a state of, of being in order to be changed, in order to be transformed. And we know that Jesus' presence transforms us. The way that we see ourselves, the way that we see the whole world changes. And Rowan talks about how this awareness, this attention, is, um, is the same thing really as an expectancy. is expecting to be changed by Jesus. And we see in the Gospels that the disciples are expected, in the sense they don't take it for granted, that there's always something going to break through from Jesus. Something new to learn, something uh, out of the ordinary is going to burst forward. And for us today, uh, we know the risen Jesus. And I know that in my life I'm too often guilty of not really being expectant for, for Jesus to show up. And we have the Holy Spirit to direct and inform us. And Rowan talks about how, in a way, we are in a better position than the disciples who are first around Jesus. We can open the uh, scriptures and see Jesus. We meet with Jesus in the sacrament. And we invite the Holy Spirit to come and make that connection alive for us. One... um, 
thing also that he talks about is um, being expectant in the other believer, in seeing the other believer. And I love what, what John Ortberg writes. John Ortberg is, is also a pastor from the States, but on, on, the, uh, on the West Coast. And he says, every human being you ever see was made in the image of God. And Jesus says that if we want, he will come and make his home in us. So we're never to look at another person without having a sense of awe and reverence that says this is one in whom God may dwell. What um, kind of things do we know from what Jesus has said in the Bible that show us that this expectancy is, um, is important, that we see that Jesus is truly present in his followers? Does anyone... Can anyone think of, of something that Jesus may have said that tells us that we meet with him when we meet with other believers? I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of life? Anything else? When two or three are gathered together in my name. When two or three are gathered together in my name. Anything else? As much as you do as much as you do it to one of these you do it to me anything else this isn't a test <laughs> it's, just, it's just interesting isn't it it's really interesting I mean even so we're experiencing that right now is uh, God speaking to us through different people here tonight um, you can see there there's a, there's a few more questions there that you might want to go away and, and think about um, as we think about what it means to engage with other people. Um, but let's look at, at number three, too. In what ways might the fact that Jesus is present wherever his people gather change the nature of our gatherings and the way that we view one another? Does anyone have any immediate thoughts on that? If we truly believe that we meet with Jesus when we meet with other Christians, Okay, great. So, um, a really interesting point that Matt has just raised is that it's not really about us just sort of meeting together in a holy huddle, um, but an awareness of Jesus' presence, of, of some meeting with other believers. Um, it assumes that we are willing to go where the Master leads us. We talk about disciples, we talk about following Jesus, and what does following mean? It, it, well, it means going wherever Jesus leads. 
And um, certainly in my life, in my experience, he's led me across the world in a way that I wasn't expecting. And he's led me into the ministry in a way that I also wasn't expecting. Um, But we see that very frequently in the Gospels, too, Jesus' initial disciples, uh, they went where they wouldn't have necessarily wanted to go. And in this time of Lent, we're looking at the cross, aren't we? And Jesus says, um, take up your cross and follow me. And it's also about us recognising our core identity in Jesus. Is letting our relationship with Jesus affect all our other relationships. And not having a sort of an, an imbalance where another relationship is, is affecting our identity more. And knowing that when um, we are like that sponge that is receiving from Jesus, we are actually better able to love ourselves and to love those around us. Um, one other part of that is, is also um, keeping the company that Jesus keeps. And it's not just about um, Christians meeting together with Christians. Um, but we see that uh, Jesus chooses the company of the excluded, the disreputable, the wretched, the self-hating, the poor, the diseased. So that's where we're going to find ourselves if we're following Jesus. And we will find ourselves um, around those people. So it's a reminder that um, when we choose the company of Jesus, in fact, what we're doing is getting used to the fact that we have been chosen for the company of Jesus. And there's a verse there on your, on your handout too, um, from Isaiah. And um, it says that, If you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. And it's such a challenge for us, isn't it? That if we really want to engage with Jesus' presence, we will be amidst the poor. But when we're amidst the poor, we will um, encounter Jesus. And I see that the slides have magically appeared. Can everyone give uh, Ben a round of applause? Um, Ben, Ben, if you don't know him, is a great guy, and he has been um, running around performing all sorts of jobs tonight, wearing lots of different hats. Um, So thank you, Ben. Um, The next thing that that Rowan goes on to talk about in this book is uh, being with the Father through the Son. And I love this uh, picture of the the prodigal son that Charlie Maxey has has done. So this is a sculpture that he's done, and... um, He's done a number of paintings and drawings around this theme of the prodigal son. And most of us will probably know the, um, the parable of the prodigal son from Luke chapter 15. And it's one of a number of parables that Jesus tells in a, in a, in a sequence. And it's a, about this son that goes off and lives a hedonistic life and um, doesn't think he's worthy of being loved and returning to his father. He squandered his father's inheritance. And he comes back and the father is running towards him and uh, reaches out his arms and uh, enfolds him. And um, it's such a moving story. And it's been occurring to me more and more lately that what I find the most moving thing about this story is that this is a story that Jesus tells. That this is Jesus' heart for us. And um, Graham Tomlin, who is the Bishop of Kensington, he's, he's sort of taken this image and written a, a book called The Prodigal Spirit. I think I put a typo in the notes. I put it down as, as the, the prodigal God, but it's actually The, the Prodigal Spirit. And um, he, he, he talks about, he uses this image to describe what happens when we invite the Holy Spirit to come. 
So some of us will have been in services where we uh, invite the Spirit to come, at, say at the end of the service, and it's called the Ministry of the Holy Spirit. And for, for many of us, we can sort of not really know what it means by that, because surely God's Spirit is active and present already. And of course he is. He is uh, opening the words to us. He is active during our worship. He's active in Holy Communion. All of those things, the Holy Spirit makes those things come alive for us. But Graham Tomlin writes about um, the embrace between the Father and the Son is really being um, what we're praying for when we pray come Holy Spirit is to enable us to be drawn further and further into the embrace between the Father and the Son, between the Father, God and Jesus. And that is the experience that we are being called into, is into the life of the Trinity. And so we point back to the work of Christ on the cross, but we also look forward to life in the Spirit. And so when we pray, when we pray for each other on a Sunday, whether that's um, coming forward for prayer or just chatting to the person next to us and, and being prayed for, it's not merely or, or primarily therapeutic. I find those times very moving and, um, and I do sense God's love sometimes when I'm prayed for. Not all the time. But much more importantly, we are being equipped for mission. We are being drawn further and further into uh, the missional God who sends himself out, who, who sends himself and sends us to be with others. And so these things of being drawn further and further into the life of God and, and going out and meeting the people that Jesus came for, those things are, are not opposite to each other, but they're part of the same thing. That the mission of God, this missio Dei, is part and parcel of God's character. That he is united within himself, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. But he is also the sending God. He sends himself, he sends Jesus to be with us, to show us what God is like, to die for us on the cross, and he also sends his spirit to live in us, to give us the gifts of the spirit, to give us the fruit of the spirit, to empower us for ministry. So what we see and what we do is informed by what we see the reality of God being right throughout eternity. Lastly, let's look at being and action. Being and action. So where have we got to so far? Well, there's, there's three things. Um, we've learnt that um, there's learning and deepening attentiveness to the Bible to the sacraments and the life of the body of Christ is really important, that we are attentive, that we are um, focused, that we are expectant to see God in those areas. It's learning that um, new level of attentiveness. It's all persons, places and things. To be expectant to see God in people around us and in, in the sacraments, in, um, in the life of our church. And being attentive to where Christ is going. So Rowan writes that... Um, this attentiveness is not uh, sort of a, an intellectual attitude. 
but it's or just some sort of poetic appreciation of beauty. But it's also a willingness to bring this transforming love wherever we go. There's a great um, debate in the whole world of discipleship, in the whole world of spirituality, is um, which matters more, contemplation or action? Contemplation or action? And we've got a slide coming up with um, the next slide, actually. Thanks, Ben. So these are uh, many different ways that we might uh, experience encountering God. And they sort of touch on um, lots of the different things that we mentioned before. So there's the, uh, the intellectual. So it's getting deep into theology, all the people often on the theology track. Um, it might be in relationship with other people, in the way that we are around other people, what we experience in connect group. Uh, it might be so that we come alive when we serve, when we're um, helping a church, when we're helping in a community. It might be that when we worship, um, we find that we encounter God the most there. Um, and then, um, yeah, more broadly, is the, the activist model of, of just being a real doer or uh, the contemplative model of being a thinker and a feeler. Um, and then in creation, is, is experiencing God in creation. Um, so I wonder, um, so for me, I, for me, this is a tussle. For me, this is, is a bit of a tussle. Sometimes I'm more contemplative um, or I'll um, like to sort of withdraw to my room or, you know, to nature and just to be alone by myself. And sometimes I'm just having a, like, a field day of activity. Uh, this week is one of those for me where I'm just doing lots and lots of stuff. Um, and I, sort of, I have a bit of a tension where sometimes I'm more drawn to being quiet and sometimes I'm more drawn to being active. Um, let's break out into um, those around us and just, just discuss with your um, partner in twos and threes. Um, are you more um, someone who is con- contemplative or are you an activist? Which one are you? Great. So, sorry to interrupt you all. Um, who here would say they're more con- contemplative? Contemplative. Okay. Okay, so the rest of under half of the room. And, and activists? I'm guessing it's the rest. Oh, no. Okay, so the, the jury is out. The jury is out. Hannah has very um, astutely noted that I only gave you two options. And it's really just because I thought that the, the other ones had a bit into it. But does anybody here relate to one of the other ones uh, better? Um, so uh, there's intellectual, uh, relational, serving, worship, creation. Did somebody else sort of resonate more closely with one of those? Relational, yeah. Anyone else? Intellectual. Intellectual. I thought so. Give <laughs> <laughs> a guru over here. Very good. Very good. Um, anybody else? Serving. Where? Serving. Sorry? Serving. Serving. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, yeah, you do. You're very good. But, um, so, on, 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 on a whole, who thinks that um, activism is more important? One person over here, very oh, interesting. Okay, three, four, any more takers? Five. Um, anybody here think that being contemplative is more important? Okay, does anybody think that's a really stupid question? <laughs> very good, very good, very good. Um, 
Rowan would tend to agree. Um, the final slide, um, we see Rowan says that um, perhaps the only decisive answer is that you imagine contemplation without action, or action without contemplation. You realise that you are drawing up a charter for really sterile and potentially even destructive human living. Hold them together, contemplation has an openness to the real roots of transforming action. And maybe it doesn't appear quite such a standoff. I like that. To be a, a, a person of peace and a person of presence amidst the hustle and bustle. And yeah, we, we, we do find God in both activities, don't we? And um, I find that, that what happens when I'm out and about in the world, it, it then informs my quiet times with him and, and vice versa. And it's not sort of quite a clear delineation between the two. Um, on the uh, second page of the, um, the handout that we have there, um, I've listed a number of different activities um, that um, we might do during the day. And there's a space there for you to go away and, and think about, if you'd like to, is to look at what, it, what would it look like for you to engage with God um, in those situations. Um, and it, it might be very different for each one of us, but just um, food for thought on how we can be open, aware and expectant uh, during the day. Um, there's a, a number of also further reading suggestions there. Um, two ones I haven't mentioned yet are The Practice of the Presence of God, uh, the international bestseller that it continues to be by Brother Lawrence. Um, and much like uh, Teresa of Avila, it's basically explaining that um, being aware of God's presence enables you to, to do the washing up better. Um, that um, we can be aware of God, that we can experience God's presence as we go about the seemingly mundane tasks on our day. Brother Lawrence talked about um, those who are filled with the Spirit um, soar with the Spirit in their sleep. And I wonder if that is the experience for us today. Certainly it wasn't for me last night. Um, there's also a great book called Sacred Pathways by uh, Gary Thomas. And um, I'd really recommend that if you're interested in uh, finding out more about um, which of these sort of pathways uh, is the one that you tend to relate to God better in. I, I would encourage us to not be thinking of, of limiting experiencing God to one of those pathways, but just being more aware of how we tend to experience God. Um, in my case too, I tend to find that God surprises me uh, when he uh, tends to, to show up in my life. Just as we sit, uh, let's, let's pray. Father, we're aware that um, talking about experiencing you is one thing. Um, but we want to invite you now by your Spirit uh, to come and to fill us afresh. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to thank you for your great love for each one of us. And over the course of this next six weeks, we want to get to know you better. So we invite you into um, the mundane things in our lives. 
the exciting things of our lives, the stuff that we struggle with as well. Lord, as we are drawn more and more into your life, help us to get to know you better. Help us to be more attentive to you, more expectant for you to show up in our lives. Lord, would you draw us to love and be around those that you love? those that you prioritise. And we're so sorry for the times when we ignore your heart and your priorities. And Lord, would you give each of us amazing stories of the kindness of your presence transforming us, leading us over the next week. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.